But that being said, you still have to wear your mask on all public transportation and taxis, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to be wearing your mask as much as possible when you're in public restaurants and cafes and things like that. So when you're not actively eating. Yeah. That makes sense. And I went to get my COVID-19 test where they swab the inside of your, well, basically the frame of your brain. The brain brain scratchers. The brain scratch. And so I had to, they had me in a mask and then they put plastic gloves on me. And then I had to ride in an ambulance to the test center (laughs) and it was like it was a lot like there's just so much like i have been in isolation for 11 days now and so i've collected like how many meal trays like these are plastic meal trays (laughs) this is just for like dinner time mostly and because like there are smaller ones for breakfast like this is how many different soups i've had since i've been like (laughs) the amount of plastic that i've generated makes me feel really bad about my carbon imprint right now and at least it's recyclable it's not just like disposable shit yeah i think that the they will reuse them after they like steam clean them and stuff like that so i that's giving me hope a little bit because like i've tried to reduce as much of the garbage that i can but like hot damn it's a (laughs) lot of garbage yeah yeah but it's it's cool. It's fine. It's fine. Which it's fine. which could be said about our topic for this evening too. Oh my god! So much beautiful garbage. <laughs> oh, I was so happy to watch this for this week. Oh my god! <laughs> so should we get started? Are we starting? Are I'm, we I'm ready? I've been rolling forever. So oh, okay. Uh, yeah. What episode are we on? We are on episode two hundred five of Dance Robot Dance. Hi everybody! You've been in isolation for eleven days. How are you? This unprepared for a podcast that you're hosting. What's going on? Oh my god! Because you guys prepare so well for your episodes. I'm hey sure. man, I know the numbers <laughs> usually of the episode that I've tried to host, or at least where to quickly look up the numbers. Yeah, well, <laughs> I didn't do that, so shut up. Okay. Yeah. All right. Welcome to a, uh, I guess, a special Pride edition of Dance Robot Dance because I am gearing us up, leather daddy style. Isn't it like this is the end of the month, right? Well, it is, but this is where like all the big parades happen, you know, at the end of right. the month. And since I can't go to parades, the parades, all the pride parades have been canceled because of COVID 19, as they should be. Like, they were there, like, there were a lot of conservative people on Twitter, like, I bet you guys aren't going to be so happy when you have to cancel your pride stuff for COVID-19. And we were like, um, we're going to do that because it's the right yeah. thing to do. So yeah, everybody's like, yeah, we're going to do that. We're not assholes. Yeah. yeah. So like, <laughs> fuck off. <sighs> so this is a podcast where we talk about nerdy things, but in this case, we're going to be talking about really gay nerdy things. So I'm excited about it. And on that note, this segues very well into our first news item which is Joel Schumacher has passed away at the age of 80 years old, which is sad. And yeah. I think my exact quote was, I will feel slightly worse now about shitting directly into the mouth of those two Batman movies in the next few weeks. <laughs> slightly worse, but yeah, only like Batman Forever is next week, I think. So yeah, uh, yeah we're going to be taking a little little trip down Joel Schumacher Lane next week. Probably not the <laughs> nicest trip down Joel Schumacher Lane. Um, but I mean, Lost Boys Lost Boys was amazing. And yeah. like he did produce a lot of movies that I really enjoyed. 
the Batman movies, notwithstanding, obviously, <laughs> but like his place in like Batman lore at this point, like the notoriety that he has for it is he just owned it. He was like, yeah, they were fucking terrible. I, I admit it. I think Love that it. he was never particularly unaware of what he oh, yeah. was doing. Like the guy, when he, there was this really sweet Twitter thread from Minnie Driver, who he directed in the Phantom of the Opera. She played Carlotta, like the prima donna. And yeah. he, his acting notes to her were like, act as big as your wig. And I'm like, he got it. He knew what he was doing. And oh, yeah. Minnie Driver was the only reason to ever watch that piece of shit movie. Like, she's so fucking good. <laughs> like, if you did a supercut of just Minnie Driver's moments, it would be totally watchable. Absolutely. Otherwise, you have to listen to Gerard Butler sing, which, <laughs> no. But, but you, know, you know, we give Joel Schumacher a lot of shit for, uh, for the Batman movies. But, like, he fucking did a lot of great movies. He, yeah. wrote, he wrote The Wiz. He directed and wrote St. Elmo's Fire. He directed Lost Boys. He directed Fly. Flatliners, what else? Eight millimeter he directed and produced. So like he's Phone Booth was one of his uh, A Time to Kill, I believe, was his. Yeah, like he directed a lot of movies that were all maybe not great, but watchable at the very least. Um, some of them are really good though. Like I liked Phone Booth. Phone Booth is actually a really good like suspense thriller. For a dude that started out as a fucking costume designer on Woody Allen movies, like gives me hope, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, he had a storied career and we should celebrate that even though Also, that- did you hear the stories about like his his numbers? He had like Wilt Chamberlain like numbers and like he like admitted to him. <laughs> like that was his thing. He'd be like, "I just had the best time. I had the best life. I nailed 20,000 people." I was like, tw- "I would your dick should fall off at 20,000, <laughs> right?" Like that's a lot of good for him, you know? I good mean, for him. Good for He him. had the life. I yeah. guess. So there you go. I mean, if you're going to live that life, then yeah, go for it. I am I am glad that we are celebrating him this week so that when we finally do Batman Forever, we well, won't feel... Well, it's more of a like... Robin that'll be the problem, I think. Because, like, well, no, Forever's pretty rough. Too. It's pretty bad, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it it, it fits. He's, he's, he railed, like, 20,000 dudes in his life. Yeah. And this is Pride Week, so on <laughs> Dance Robot Dance. As That's gay as gay as, as it gets. Yeah. <laughs> as gay as the day is long. Yeah. yeah. So, moving on from poor Joel Schumacher. I don't think he was poor when he died. No, probably <laughs> I think he did all right. Yeah. <laughs> he was rich in cack. Rich yeah. in, yeah, rich in that. Everything. See, I'm, sure he, I'm sure his bank account wasn't hurting either. So yeah, <laughs> camp and cock and coin. You know all those hey, things. Yes. There, there you go. go. The three C's. The, th- the three important C's. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, starting off with the classiest note possible. Uh, as, <laughs> as we're gonna do. Um, let's we... see. There's a lot of news this week, so let's move on to some other bad news quickly. Um, just. An insane amount of Me Too callouts in a lot of different geek communities. And, and just, like, just as a summary, there was like a whole bunch of Twitch streamers that got mm-hmm. called out for misconduct. The fallout for Warren Ellis, etc., that you guys talked about last week, Cameron Stewart as well, I believe, has resulted yeah. in at least Tom King speaking out and saying, I will pledge to do certain things. I don't know if there's actually been any physical or like actual fallout for warren ellis and cameron stewart yet i haven't heard anything cameron stewart has had a couple books canceled that yeah. were that were a couple projects canceled that were in development at least he wasn't exclusive at dc was he no. like he's not an exclusive anymore right or 
Was no, he? right. And the most recent thing he was doing was that Fight Club book, which is not, oh, which, okay. which I think, right. which I uh, no, not Image. I can't remember who was doing that, but it definitely Dynamite or something like that. Maybe, uh, yeah, it definitely wasn't DC though. There's at least two or three books, uh, small publishers that are going to be like having to cancel their entire lines because most of them are based around Warren Ellis stuff. So yeah, yeah. there's that. DC pulled like a a minor like story at, out of a larger anthology in dark Knight's death metal oh okay yeah it was like gonna be like a two-page story or something like that about like the batman the dinosaur batman that is featured in dark metal because i think because scott snyder is just like just fucking fun. just just doing rails of acid i think yeah is what's okay. happening right now <laughs> All right, so our next news item, Disney's Splash Mountain is being rethemed because no one, like, should... I don't know. Song of the (laughs) South is a weird thing to talk about because it's like Disney wants so hard to disavow that Song of the South ever happened, but I think that it's better that they say that it did happen, but they like to pretend that it didn't. So they're changing Splash Mountain's theming from Song of the South to Princess and the Frog. Yep. As the resident Disney nerd, I'm okay with this. I do love Splash Mountain. The thing is the ride itself, the ride itself used to be a lot more racist. I mean, it's the ride itself is not really racist anymore. It's just based on like Southern characters, Um, you know, like Br'er Fox, Br'er Rabbit, Br'er Bear, but the stories they are based on by Joe Chandler Harris are super fucking racist. He was, he acknowledged himself that he was racist, very much tries to portray like that happy slave sort of mentality that Gone with the Wind also pushes forward. And in the original iteration of the ride, there was definitely a tar baby. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah, literally, which is from the stories where where, like Br'er Rabbit tricks I can't remember one of Br'er. Oh no, the uh, the villains Br'er Br'er Fox and Br'er Bear trick Br'er Rabbit into getting stuck in this like baby this this child that is actually made out of tar. Mm. Yeah, yeah, which is just Bad. horribly fucking racist. And eventually they took that other ride and they left all that in there. But yeah, the Disney parks fans are losing some of them are losing their goddamn minds about it some people are being like yeah i get why this need to happen i'm in that camp i like the ride but i understand that it needed a change and i mean the thing is a lot of people are saying calling this like oh my god disney like caving to public pressure with like black lives matter like blowing up right now and everything but like this isn't the sort of shit that disney would have started a month ago this is the sort of shit that disney has had in the works for like a year yeah. And so, I mean, they probably chose to announce it now because of what's going on in the world. Because sure. why wouldn't you? It's just fucking smart marketing. Yeah. But. And Disney's been like quietly trying to clean up their past mistakes for a really long yeah. time. Like, they just, like, especially with Song of the South. Like, yeah. They released their old war propaganda videos, but mm-hmm. they chose to keep Song of the South in the Disney vaults. Yeah, and they but when they released those, they released them with basically Leonard Malton giving them context, like doing a little di- a blur before saying like this is what these were, this is what the you know atmosphere was in the world at the time, and this you know these stereotypes are not acceptable, but we present them here in their entirety for cultural reference, kind of thing. Right, and I think that with the 
I think the WB Tex Avery type uh, animations too, like Red Hot Riding Hood or Snow White and mm-hmm. D7 Dwarves or whatever, they release those with the same kind of preamble and caveats, right? And yeah. I, I don't see why Disney can't do that with Song of the South because, like, it's still people are going to find out where Zippity Doodah came from. You know, like oh, yeah. that song. Yeah, exactly. That song There's, is yeah, they're going to look forever in the like, public consciousness. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. And and well and uh, even just this week HBO put Gone with the Wind back on HBO Max, but with like a six or seven minute preliminary piece that, you know, is like a film historian giving context to it and why it's incredibly problematic by today's standards. So I've always yeah. been of the been of the view that they should release Song of the South, like put it on Disney Plus or something like that, but just give it context. Cause the thing is right now. So when I lived in Georgia, when I still lived in Georgia, uh, there was this place in the mountains called Helen, which was this faux Bavarian village that we called Redneck Bavaria. And it was like German only on its face. Like it had like it's, you know, it was styled like a little German village. It was this like dude's marketing plan to get people to come there and spend their money and spend their vacations in like the 50s or 60s or something like that and so it attracts fucking rednecks from all over the place and we went there just for the fucking novelty of it once and that is where i bought my dvd copy of song of the south because in the shops there because people down there like still celebrate that shit they sell bootleg copies of song of the south so it needs to be undermined right they need to like take the, that power away from it, and Disney needs to do an official release that you know disavows the problematic elements of it. Yeah, because if Disney came out and said, "Oh, look how fucking cringe we were! Like we this was a mm-hmm. mistake. We did we did this, but this is like garbage, Mama." Yeah, like then it wouldn't have that power that banned movies and censorship has which we will talk about a little bit when we get to our our <laughs> meat of the episode it gives it certain cultural cachet that gives it a sense of rebellion which is what these fucking confederate apologists thrive on it's like we the <laughs> And that's what I love about this plan is that somewhere out there, there is a whole bunch of like lost causer, like Confederate fucking worshipers that are shitting their pants angry because their favorite attraction based on a racist movie is now going to feature the only black Disney princess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is that what I've never seen princess and the frog. So yeah, it's, yeah. New Orleans. it's, it's princess Tiana. Yeah. So. It's low-level trolling, for sure. <laughs> yeah, but the Fair. first Black Disney princess did spend three-quarters of the movie as a frog, so we didn't actually get to see her mm-hmm. as a Black woman for very long. But, what, but at least now fine, you fine. get to see a Black princess in the parks and everything, yes. right? Like, you know, black little Black girls can go into the parks and say, I want to go see Tiana. She looks like me. Yeah, right. absolutely. So. Yeah. yeah, 100%. Yeah. All right, so moving on to our next thing we will talk about so this why the last man production is (laughs) quite something because it's now moved on to a new network which is a oh fx on hulu which is different from regular hulu i guess that this streaming platform from networks stuff like from hbo max they they got to clean this up they just got to (laughs) like streamline but Yeah. yeah so it has moved from fx to just the streaming service the production has been stopped basically because of COVID 19 as well because it was filming in toronto and new york Mm -hmm. 
And so, yeah, I'm sure that that is part of, you know, they're kind of reassessing what they're going to be able to do with it right now. And I'm sure we're going to see a lot of stories like this where like stuff that might have been planned for network is going to get shifted over to streaming. And I don't know. I'm still looking forward to it. I am cautiously optimistic about it because I just think it's a good story. And if as long as they don't like totally fuck up the adaptation of it, then it should be fine. So here's hoping. Uh, Let's see. Lots of geeky Apple news. They had WWDC 2020 and lots of stuff popped up for new Apple stuff. I am not in the Apple uh, (laughs) environment. That's not my ecosystem. The biggest news, which was actually kind of ma- a, a mainstream story that wasn't just like iOS 14 or whatever, is Apple is cutting themselves away from Intel. They've been with Intel mm-hmm. for 15 years, and they are now going to be moving all of their stuff. So that, like, their phones and tablets have I've been on ARM CPU, like they run the AX chips that Apple has created themselves, like fabricates themselves. And they are now going to be moving the Mac line to Intel, which will be the fourth fucking transition of processors uh, on the <laughs> Mac platform in my lifetime. So Which that's is just cool. going to make them more fucking expensive oh. to repair. Well, I don't know about that. Those ARM processors are a lot ch- like cheaper to fab than like a high-end x86. Although at this point, they got to build... The problem is they've never built desktop-grade silicone, like mm. silicon, before. So it's two years before they're thinking they might have a pro-level anything available on the arm like new arm processor or whatever mm-hmm. but that's the big story because like intel has also recently been getting kicked in the fucking teeth by amd in the desktop processor and i think mobile processors too are probably they're probably beating the shit out of them there too because the new ryzen chips are ridiculously good and undercutting their price point by a fair margin and intel stuff is now kind of a little bit slower and running a lot hotter to keep up and mm. Burn out faster as a result. Yeah, sure. well, I don't know about burnout. Like these processors last for fucking ever without burning out. You know what I mean? Like you can, yeah. even if you overclock a chip, you can end up maybe taking two years off of a twelve-year or fifteen-year life or something like that. It's not never that bad, but they are getting their teeth kicked in and benchmarking and stuff like that right now. Uh, so that's a big hit for Intel overall. This is way like deep cuts, fucking tech news kind of stuff. Though, so <laughs> I don't know how interested like the regular world is. It's just something I've been paying attention to as. Intel, I just put an Intel CPU in a new machine, and now Intel's getting their fucking teeth kicked down their throats. So, yeah, and now Good you won't times. be paying attention to processors again until you need to fucking buy one again. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I bought a, I bought a really good Intel like Core i7, like high end Core i7. So, like, that's cool. But like the next, yeah, the next thing for me is a new is actually like putting a really good video card in this. Like, I just put like a kind of pedestrian one in there for now, and then when I can afford to, or actually when the three thousand series cards launches, that's when I'll be doing a big old upgrade and putting that in there. The coolest thing for me out of that Apple keynote thing was the foundation trailer. Did you guys look at that? It's going What's on to foundation? Apple Apple TV. So it's Isaac As it's based on Isaac Asimov's Foundation trilogy, which I've never uh, read, but oh, I've okay, had yes, I've heard about this, yeah. Which I think we spoke about sort of when it back when it was first announced. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I've had it recommended to me many times, and it's just something I've never gotten around to reading. And it looks really good, like really cinematic, good, like very good quality. Lee Pace is in it. Who else? I love Lee Pace. So yeah. underrated. Jared Harris, who was on Mad Men. Yeah, it just looks like it. I, I mean, it's got me intrigued anyways. 
Cool. So we'll see. So the next thing that popped up, which might only be significant for me because like I teach, but uh, the Magic School Bus is getting a live action <laughs> adaptation <laughs> starring with- Elizabeth Banks as Miss Frizzle, <laughs> which which works perfectly, honestly. Like she's honestly, just so like over the top camp that yeah. she is. When I saw her in Power Rangers as Rita Repulsa, she was like again one of the only actors in the movie who got what movie she was in and was like go hard or go home on it all the time like i just think that this is really good casting and i don't know what they're gonna do with it but i will probably watch this and show it to my students at some point if it's appropriate age-wise for them but yeah i'm glad that this is coming this is one of those weird adaptations where i'm like yeah this could work i could see this for sure i mean you guys are on your own on that one that's uh i have have no no investment on this. You guys never. Yeah. I guess you guys were just outside of the age bracket. Was Magic for... School Bus a thing when you were kids? When just, you were a kid? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay, I, didn't, I was. It was not when I was a kid. So there you go. Okay. Uh, okay, I see. That makes sense. I didn't. Re- I thought it was like a newer thing. Like like somebody our age had kids, they would be into it, kind of thing. Yeah. Not well, us. well, they did re-release it as a new series on Netflix. Like they rebooted the series, but they've had it the original animation on Netflix for a really long time. I used to show it to my kids because they were just like enthralled by it. They're it's, they're in a bus, but they've shrunk down and now they're inside someone's bloodstream and blah blah blah. So good. Like there's a lot going on. <laughs> it's it's a good it's a good educational TV show. And as long as you don't think too hard about the mechanics or like what exactly is Miss Frizzle's power level because like then it starts getting a little weird she gets thrown into like who would win suggestions on reddit all the time and i'm like is she, what what is that about but i you know what she is an undefined power kind of person she's kind of like um mr mixes spittalik or whatever or mm, um a time okay. lord maybe some kind of mashup between those two things and yeah so we don't know but she's pretty great and i'm glad elizabeth banks is playing her Fair Let's see just a couple more items michael keaton could be coming back to play Bruce Wayne in the Flash movie. Maybe Bruce Wayne. I'm seeing conflicting reports. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I'm if it's... they okay. But here, if they do this and they don't get him to play Bruce Wayne, who fucking cares then? Thomas Wayne. Get him to play Thomas Wayne. Oh, uh, fair enough. I guess so... I still think they should use Jeffrey Dean Morgan for that. Like I think he, yeah, he looks the part. Like he's got like and I think he's and this is not a knock on Michael Keaton, but I think Jeffrey Dean Morgan is actually physically imposing enough to pull <laughs> off the evil Thomas Wayne kind of like bad, bad <laughs> Batman Keaton kind of thing. Like five foot three or some shit. Yeah, Michael Keaton, like I love him in those movies, but like he's not exactly like I'm not going to be afraid of that Batman. I don't think, you know, he's kind of tiny. Yeah, he's so. not he's not imposing by default. Like he, he can yeah. play. He can build up. A, a level of sinister that is quite imposing, but like it yeah. takes, it's it a lot of talk you got to get there first, though, right? Like he's imposing in like Spider Man, but it's because he's fucking terrifying talking to him in Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Batman's not like a I'm afraid because he's talking to me. It's I'm afraid because he's holding me up above a eighty story balcony, yeah. and he's the only thing holding me from fucking falling to my death. That's 
I don't think Michael Keaton can't do that to a grown man. So. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think anyway. I, I would like to see him as Thomas Wayne. So Thomas Wayne, for our listeners, if you've ever read the Flashpoint comic book that or story comic story that this movie is going to be probably loosely based on, <laughs> I guess, like maybe, <laughs> you know, sort of Flash goes back in time and tries to save his mother, and in the fucking process, just fucks the timeline completely and like goes back to the present and it's an entirely different sort of alternate history than what he knew before going back in time. And part of that is that Bruce Wayne died in the attack on his family uh, in that alleyway, but instead Thomas Wayne survived and became Batman. So you have like this old 60 year old, like grizzled Batman that is like, that uses guns. Yeah. It's like a violent, violent psychopath on top of everything else too. Right. Like when he does, he's not like, and like, it wasn't that the Martha Wayne that also became the Joker. Yeah. After the fact. So like that, yeah, yeah, that story's nice and fluffy, you know, like, (laughs) yeah. Like a light little romp through the uh, the DCU or whatever. So, but I think it, like Michael Keaton's become such a fucking nut job that I think it would be fun to watch him play that like broken father who lost his son and became a fucking like vigilante, just fucking maiming criminals yeah. kind of thing. I still think they should just do the fucking Batman Beyond movie and put him in it. Like that's the one I like. Just just make that movie, you cowards. People have been talking about it for two hundred years. Just I'd make watch it. that too. Yeah, I yeah. know, right. Yeah. All right. That's all I've got for this week. Do you guys have anything else you want to talk about before we move on? There's just one and it's like hot off the presses. Margot Robbie is going to star in the rebooted Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't know if it's rebooted or if it's set in the same universe, but Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Mm. Wow. I mean, and it's, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I think she could do some damage in there in a good way. I really liked the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie. And <laughs> yeah, every subsequent film was a an utter piece of garbage, and it got existential nightmare to sit through. Also, some of them. So. <laughs> yeah, but the woman who's writing it is the uh, screenwriter of well Harley Quinn of Birds of Prey, fair uh, enough. Christ- okay. Christina Hodson. So the the pair of those together obviously make a pretty decent team. So I that is something that I will watch with interest. I mean, I'm sure i will probably watch it because i do like margot robbie a fair bit but like yeah okay i'm just like you know parts of the caribbean not my thing that that is a franchise that is best to stay dead and not be zombified (laughs) in my personal opinion it's just not like maybe it's just because that like the particular strain of movie got so convoluted and so bad yeah and they the pro- one of the big problems was like they wrote a cool pirate character and then Johnny Depp did the Keith Richards affectation on top of it. And so every subsequent movie, they tried to write him as the Keith Richards version of Jack Sparrow. And they didn't know how to do that. They didn't just like trust Johnny Depp to do the thing. So it, yeah. it was just unwatchable. <laughs> I agree. Like, I think the I think Captain Jack Sparrow has run his fucking course at this point. But I th- I mean, Margot Robbie has proven herself in the last few years to be a fucking powerful character actor. So yep. I agree. I, you know, I think this is the sort of franchise that she could make her mark on. Yeah. So like, I hope so. Yeah. And maybe breathe some new life into the other thing that uh, just came out a couple days ago was or last weekend was a full trailer for the Kingsman, which looks like fucking insane fun. Like the other Kingsman movies have been. So yeah, looks pretty fucking crazy. And I will definitely watch that 
when it comes out. I tried with the Kingsman movies. They're just, they're not for me. They're not. You gotta, for me. You gotta be able to turn your brain off. I tried. Yeah. I really did. Because I, I can do that. I can. Yeah. The action oh. sequence in the, in the church in the chapel or whatever. Yeah. yeah. In the church. In the first one. I was like, oh, that's, that was an interesting sequence. Like that. Like no, that that's the my second. Eye. That's the second that's one. That's the second one? Okay, yeah, it's, it's, okay, it's where Colin Firth like loses his uh, memory, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And then yeah, Fair enough. and then that's his comeback. Either way, yeah, yeah. No, I've like I've seen all those movies. They're just you know whatever. They're like exactly that. They're like oh they're fine. Yeah, well, whatever. You know. So yeah. there you go. The only thing I had, I have one thing. July thirty first, War for Cybertron comes out on Netflix. There you go. News. Oh nice. Delivered. Oh finally. Yeah, they, they, the announcement came out this week. So I saw some pretty cool. Uh, Transformers. Well, I saw one uh, pretty cool Transformers figure this week, Mark. Do you see like the sparkless uh, Optimus Prime that got announced this week? Yeah, yeah. And it's like all, cool all all gray toned with like the yeah. only thing that comes in color is the uh, leadership matrix. Yeah, the Transformers line has been pretty cool the last couple of years. It's been fun to watch. So, like, if yeah. you're a figure collector or just like the the level of creativity that they've been showing has been pretty cool. Like, there's been a lot of cool stuff happening. So, yeah. But either way, yes, July 31st. So it's six episodes. Each episode is 22 minutes. They've confirmed that much. There you go. And it's the first of three six episode runs or something like that. Because it'll be, I think it's going to be Siege, Earthrise, and then whatever the fuck the last one is. Probably Unicron because they have no creativity. Even though I just praised them for their creativity (laughs) two minutes ago. They they still have to keep the bare bones. uh, You got to do the tropes, right? Like you got to kind of do the tropes. So like, I guess, but like, I I guess. Because you got to right, bring cool. you got to bring the fandom in, and then you yeah. can start fucking with things. Yeah, you yeah, no, know, which yeah. is true. So there you go. To an extent, yeah, yeah. July thirty first. Uh, that I'll that'll be you know two and a half hours of my life that I'll be very quiet for. There you go. Yeah. So all right, we good. We for news. Yep. Everyone's good. All right. Yep. So let's move on to our geek of the week. Geek of the week. This is the segment of the show where we talk about the geekiest thing that we did this week. So let's start with Tim. What did you do that was geeky? Ah, uh, Jesus. So I'm in the middle of moving into our new house right now, which means I do not have a whole lot of time for geeky stuff. But uh, really unpacking a house when you're a nerd is a geeky thing on its own because like you're going through boxes full of records and swords and toys and like i all finally got like all my comic books you know back in one place well all the ones that i had with me in atlanta anyways not counting the ones that are in my parents basement so yes that has been it's it's one of those like nerdy sighs of relief right because you can finally like start unpacking shit and being like okay great this made it unscathed and this isn't broken and that kind of thing yep i'm gonna be going through that next week <laughs> oh yeah i'm still going through that process so yeah, yeah we're, all, yeah. we're all there right now <laughs> yeah, yeah like i've got a i'm emptying out my storage locker that i kept in korea that had all of my pokemon plushies and some of my older game systems that i didn't want to bring with me to canada for my my brief covid sojourn in the the homeland and so i'll be like i'm kind of happy that i get to like decorate my apartment and make it my own you know that's that's always kind of fun and like getting my setup done for like my entertainment unit and i'm gonna have like my pokemon kind of like surrounding it so that i have like one geek central area and i'm not clogging up the rest of my room with that stuff because i like to keep it pretty minimalist other than cute pokemon things (laughs) even though i'm really really mad about actually i forgot a news item 
that was Pokemon has partnered with Tencent, uh, the fucking Chinese malware. Oh, that MOBA? MOBA thing. I don't want to talk about it. So it's angering me. Anyway. I thought you were going to talk about the Sword and Shield DLC. I can't talk about that either. I just, it's just <laughs> anyway. Yeah. But yeah, that that's kind of where I am right now. Right. Cause like, you know, new house, new layout and everything. And now we've got like a whole basement that we didn't have before. So I'm trying to figure out like which parts of my nerdiness go where, like we're talk- already talking about like putting a bar in the basement and shit. And like, where are going to hang the minds of Moria themed sex swing or whatever, yeah, or, you know, exactly. like all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, you know, there's some crossover. Yeah. A dungeon for all. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Mark, what was your Geek of the Week this week? Uh, nothing. Just I'm working on my DC Fandom pieces. I hate that fucking name, by the way. I don't know <laughs> if anybody, if we made that clear enough last week. But yeah, I'm in the process. I'm in like process of building three or four pieces to submit to that. And I'm doing comic pages right now, too. So I'm trying to get myself back into like doing sequentials, which I have not done in a number of years at all so i'm doing i know paul's got a graphic novel he wants to do this year Mm -hmm. so working on it i'm getting myself back into penciling shape to do like sequential pages which is a bit of a challenge because it's been a while and uh stuff's different now and i'm working all digitally which is a totally new thing for comic book stuff so figuring it out that's been my thing though is like getting myself back into like art shape it's been uh, about a month since i've really been able to produce anything with the move and stuff and I'm finally kind of like basically settled in. My drums are up so I can go tap, tap, tap when I want to and all that kind of stuff. So set up to kind of get back to work. So there you go. That's basically it. That's good. I'm drawing again. Yeah. Go by Yay. Prince. Black Ring Gallery. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So my Geek of the Week this week, um, I downloaded some stuff before my trip on my Switch. I'm now like 20 hours into Dragon Quest Eleven S. It's really good. It's like classic Japanese Wait, role-playing games. Only 20 hours. I would have figured you'd be like done that shit by now. I spent the first week of my quarantine like exercising a lot, actually. Like I've been, I was doing like even in quarantine, I was getting 20,000 steps in. So like, like 15 K per just walking back and forth in my apartment. Um, unfortunately, or my apartment, my hotel you're room. A, you're a crazy person. I am a crazy person. It was like I needed to do. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, to the point though where I've actually injured my ankle. <laughs> so, because <laughs> I'm an idiot and I was didn't do a good job stretching. Apparently, I figured I'm just walking back and forth or running back and forth in my apartment. What could go wrong? But apparently, when you, the more you pivot on your ankle, yeah. the more stress that goes yeah, on your yeah, ankle. Those changes in direction for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely what gets you. That's how you get ACL tears and stuff like that in your knee is pivots yeah. and t- direction changes. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, uh, football and, and basketball, that basketball. kind of thing. That's why yeah. they, yeah, they injure their fucking ankles and knees all the yeah. time. Well, that being Even said, like pro wrestlers and shit, like yeah. when they come down off the ropes and shit up the wrong way. That's why yeah. ACL tears happen and like all kinds of like that kind of stuff. Also, yeah, but now, now WWE just got a bunch of fucking COVID. So, oh my God, you want to talk about that? That was a, that's a nightmare this week, man. Renee Young got it. Like our little blonde Canadian girl who does announcing for them. Even she got it. She's married to AEW's champion who may have it now. It's nuts. Wrestling's fucked this week. It's been, cause first it was all that sexual harassment stuff. And then everybody at WWE got COVID-19. So it's just like, ha, ha, shut it down, Vince. This yeah. is your legacy. This is your legacy. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. 
Yeah. So Dragon uh, Quest. Well, actually, my question was actually I actually had a question, and my question yes. was, have you spoken to the person who lives underneath you? <laughs> uh, I don't know if there's actually anybody down there. But good, um, yeah. good. So you better hope there's not. Yeah, otherwise you're gonna be like in the middle of the night at some point. Somebody's gonna come up there and axe you in the fucking head. <laughs> well, luckily, I don't think that the doors get are very locked. far. I yeah, I de- I deadbolt my door, but also um, they they're not allowed out of their rooms. So I might I might have been giving them a telltale heart situation, but actually, but like the beating of the heart was actually just me running back and forth like thousands of times. Uh, the that, that person, the person b- beneath you, is insane now because of you. <laughs> You're just welcome. sitting in the corner, like rocking back and forth. As soon as he starts again, just like crying in the corner. Oh man, <laughs> Paul, you stop. Yeah. Character building. No, I haven't been doing it for a couple days because. <laughs> All right, Calvin's dad. <laughs> yeah, I've been focusing on just doing strength stuff because, I, like, my ankles, like, I have to stay off of it for a couple of days. I think so. That's I'm, good. I'm, but uh, no, Dragon Quest is so much fun. And it's like very classic JRPG, but actually quite funny and clever. And there's like a not actually like named gay character, but like he, they haven't said, oh, he's gay, but he's very obviously gay. And he's not fully stereotypical, which from a Japanese role playing game, I'm very surprised about. He's like this very swarthy Spaniard eh? or Italian <laughs> guy named Silvando or something. Oh, so good. But yeah, Dragon Quest. It's a lot of fun, and I'm enjoying it a lot. So uh, with that, let's move on to our meat of the episode. Filthiest meat in the world. Yeah. So Pride, about gay stuff, you know, gay stuff. What? What? I know. (laughs) Are you sure? Kind of. Like, just just a little bit. So I decided that I wanted to do something for Pride. And I thought we would go way back into some of the early days of queer cinema and talk about the master of filth himself, John Waters, and watch his kind of seminal first filth master. It's an interesting choice of words yeah, actually. For... Seminal. <laughs> yeah. seminal. Seminal classic. Yeah. Seminal yeah. fluid. Seminal fluid. Pink. All kinds. Of, lots of fluids. Yeah. So many fluids. <laughs> There's a lot of fluids and other matter in this movie. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Pink Flamingos was released in 1972. It is very much a gross-out exploitation comedy film, and it is a massively influential movie that is giving me a lot of different vibes as I was watching it. <laughs> and <laughs> by like giving me other directors which we'll talk about but yeah directed by john waters who has gone on to direct like a dozen a other stuff. Yeah. cult classics um the the one that i remember from growing up was serial mom with uh kathleen turner i actually when i went look, like looking at his filmography i was like what else I've, I've seen some of his movies i'm pretty sure and i was like i've seen a lot of his movies yeah. mostly because of paul and lee's <laughs> and uh, yeah, like Crybaby was something that like I, I've oh, seen yeah. a couple Crybaby. times, right. and like yeah, Serial Mom. I was like, holy shit! I didn't know he directed that. I like I have him so pegged as like this guy, right? Like as Pink Flamingos guy that like you study in art school or like they talk about him in film classes and shit, yeah. right? It's like weird, trashy, you know, like kind of avant garde director guy, not like made Kathleen Turner movies in the eighties guy, like because hairspray and stuff, right? It's a totally different. 
it's almost two different guys almost at, but then the, at oh the there's there's through lines for sure yeah there's yeah. through lines absolutely <laughs> but then like you listen to john waters talk and he's just this awesome disgusting old man and you're like i love this guy i love yeah. him yeah i love him but that being said i the first encounter with john waters that i remember significantly is his guest appearance on the simpsons oh yeah <laughs> the episode homer's phobia which I didn't, I couldn't remember what the title was. And when I looked it up, I was like, oh shit, that is a really good title. Uh, Homer's Phobia, in which he believes that John Waters, who plays the character John and is the proprietor of a an odds and ends like collectibles store. Yeah. Is going to somehow, his influence will somehow turn Bart gay or has already kind of infected him. And so Homer has to like course correct and try to make Bart straight wackiness ensues but i i was like oh like was that my this is probably one of the earliest encounters i had with john waters i probably saw some stuff earlier on but this is the one that i remember most significantly it's memorable yeah like when i think about john waters like and his very dry sense of humor well when it's not covered in liquid see for me he's like he's notoriously like the best late night guest you know what I yeah. mean? Because he used to like show up on Letterman and stuff when I was growing up, and they would talk about whatever movie he was working on or producing, or just he had shown up and decided to go talk to Letterman. I guess they were friends, probably. But like, that's what I remember him as is like perennial couch guy. He was always on, like a guest on a show, and he's yeah. the most entertaining motherfucker to listen talk to. Like yeah. before we got online tonight, I was sitting here watching like an hour of him just sitting there talking about his movies on YouTube. And I was like, can we postpone starting the podcast? Because this guy's more fucking entertaining than the podcast. (laughs) I mean, keep going. Like some of his interviews are fucking like fantastic. Sorry, I've always liked listening to him get interviewed. Even like, did you see him get interviewed in 2016? He was on Colbert. And he said some shit that made Colbert fucking blush. And I'm like, that takes a lot of mileage to make Colbert stop. Well, I mean, Colbert still got like that undercurrent of like christian upbringing kind of thing that's true well he's catholic catholic too right <laughs> yeah, like yeah yeah, so. yeah roman catholic yeah but. yeah but he's also done inter- like the last interview i watched with him was driving with rupaul because john <laughs> oh, yeah. they, they, on season seven of rupaul's drag race there was an entire john waters challenge where they did like a musical version of pink flamingos which was fucking <laughs> mind-boggling right yeah ginger midge singing all i want is eggs is so fucking good (laughs) oh man i kind of need to see this i think i need to go check this out you do like this like you can just look at the individual performances on youtube they have the entire performance on there but if you look up the one with ginger midge and trixie mattel doing eggs it is fucking wild that's that's enough for me to have to go look at it so (laughs) yeah and so he is aware of his cult status in the gay community and i think that he kind of revels in it to an extent because whenever he gets interviewed he's like he knows what his impact is and he's not he's not like shy about how impactful he was but knows that he's a trash merchant at the same time (laughs) like i think pink flamingos is one of the early examples of a midnight kind of screening type movie that was around in the 70s like we think rocky horror picture show what else night of living dead i guess was one of them because they did creature features late at night but now these days we have like those bad movie type things like the room or showgirls that they show at midnight screenings or rocky horror 
or Rocky, still Rocky, Rocky Horror will probably always Rocky Horror be will big. never, yeah, Rocky yeah. Horror will always be there. So there's always that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think Halloween midnight screenings of Rocky Horror still happen even here in Korea, like in Seoul, in the like the gay district in Itaewon, they have yeah. Rocky Horror. And Atlanta, yeah. yeah, in Atlanta, there was a, a Rocky Horror shadow cast every Friday night at midnight. Yeah, That's, and yeah. it's really those are really fun. By the way, you should probably go do that. Like midnight yeah. screenings are dying. Uh, and yeah. if you maybe well, if you can right you now can, you can't. Right, yeah. yeah yeah i have to think well, maybe the entire concept of the movie theater is going to be going away i don't know we'll see how yeah. it goes <laughs> uh, so have to consider that considering even in a place like korea people aren't going to the movies anymore yeah because like covid's pretty much under control here but they're like people just don't want to they're re-releasing the greatest showman here in korea to try to entice people i'm like <laughs> oh god <laughs> well tim was sending something out about like they're re-releasing ghostbusters for the five millionth time here to like with a, like a little message and i'm like who's gonna go see Next i mean I could, july yeah. 1st yeah somebody will go see it but like not me yeah. i mean i've seen ghostbusters in theaters like 500 times now but at the drive-in way. you know yeah, yeah. Drive, if yeah, i brought my own if i brought my own snacks, own snacks. and didn't but like even then if what if i had to take a piss like yeah that's the whatever sixty thousand dollar question right so yeah yeah so yeah but if midnight screenings ever do come back like do do those things because they're a lot of fun i went to see the room where was it (laughs) (laughs) because it was funny like because people like throw plastic spoons at the screen and Uh, whenever they see a spoon on the wall because there's lots of weird spoons on the wall like decorative spoons that they decorated the set with, and whenever they see the spoons on the wall, they throw plastic spoons in through in the audience. It's weird, but it was great. I I laughed a lot. It was good times. But yeah, Pink Flamingos was one of those things where even the trailer didn't show any footage of the movie. They only showed audience reaction. Did you guys see that at the end of the? the no, it wasn't oh, all yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. out of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So basically, they just have audience reaction of like people saying it was, like it's the most disgusting thing i've ever seen or like it's he's got it's his brilliant. finger on the pulse of america and shit like that my favorite what there was this guy who was really fabulous he had like this very 70s style mustache he's all like the best movie about city living and it was just so like <laughs> yeah so that yeah. <laughs> even though it was like set in fucking trash bag nowhere <laughs> so it's like yeah. baltimore usually isn't it? Isn't that where he sets his stuff because he's a baltimore yeah. Yeah, guy. Yeah. So, with that said, what were your initial reactions to Pink Flamingos when you finally sat down and watched the thing? I don't know if you guys had seen it before, but like Mark, what was your your <sighs> final reaction? <laughs> I mean, I kind of knew what I was getting into based on like I knew who John, I'm like I know who John Waters is and stuff, and I knew that he made real like exploitationy stuff in the 70s and before he became whatever i thought i'd seen this one it turns out this was not the one that i'd seen this was a new experience for me i was i mean i like i don't know how to say this because it's not like i love b or like trash cinema or whatever but like sometimes i really like shit when it's just going wrong and they're still putting this movie together and this (laughs) is what that movie is is like none of this like the acting's horrible the cinematography is fucking abysmal it looks like they're using six different fucking kinds of film stock <laughs> nobody has any idea how any of the technical like 
anything about focusing or any of that shit is happening. Nobody cares. It's Whole just, thing's filmed on a potato. Yeah, it's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they may as well have been using camera obscura to film this fucking thing. You know what I mean? Like, it could have been like a pinhole camera, basically. Like, that's how, like, like it probably would have been better is. quality overall if they had. <laughs> Maybe would have. But, like, it's just so watchable because everybody's just, like, it's so over the top. And you know it's like it's basically like when you go and watch Showgirls with your buddies. That's like this is the movie where I was like, oh, I'm kind of disappointed we're doing this and we're all split up again because this is the movie that like all of us watching it in the room together would have been hilarious because yeah. it's gross as shit and we would all have been like, oh my god, Paul, why did you do this to us? But we're all <laughs> laughing because it's you know ridiculous and all that other stuff. Yeah. And he's just I don't know. I had a good time watching it. Like at first I was watching and just being like, oh yeah, I forgot. Like you got to kind of reset your brain for like John Waters early john waters filth kind of thing yeah yeah but once you get there you're like all right this is what this is i'm gonna have fun with it because it's just horrible people doing horrible things oddly did anybody else have like a wow it's like he's he was just seeing into the future almost like where they're so proud of being the filthiest motherfuckers alive yeah. does that not feel like these stupid fucks who are running around with no mask on you know what he I means like <laughs> i'm proud of being an ignorant idiot that's what these people are they were like 2020 people back when we used to hate that kind of person and didn't put them on fucking TV or make yeah. them president or whatever. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. And celebrating the trash of it all in a different kind of way, not in yeah. a, oh, I'm proud to be an idiot kind of way, but like, yeah. Uh, how about you, Tim? What was your, uh, your reaction watching it this time? Or I, cause you, had you seen this one before or. I had seen Pink, Pink Flamingos before, I think just once, and it was probably it was well over fifteen years ago because it's probably one of those things that I watched like early in my college years, kind of thing when I was just yeah. like you know trying shit out and like you know being like oh this here's this like seminal work of film kind of thing and and it is and so yeah I, I but the thing is it hadn't there was a lot of parts that I'd totally forgotten there was definitely there are some indelible images that you cannot fucking get out of your head from this movie mm-hmm. and there but there was a lot of it where I, it had just like completely gone out of my head so there are parts of it where I felt like I was watching again for the first time but like I knew what I was getting into in terms of tone you know in terms of like the the quality and everything like that so that wasn't really you know as much of a, a shock necessarily to me um and i mean waters always plays on those mid-century kitsch aesthetics so that always works for me as well you know it's like 50 uh, atomic age kind of things like even yeah. from that opening credit sequence and then all the music and stuff like that and the cars and and that sort of thing so that that kind of that side of it you know always appeals to my the uh, the mid-century nerd in me yeah yeah so i mean i i i had fun with it there's definitely some parts of it that for me don't hold up in, you know, looking at it through today's lens because, well, we'll get into it, but like there are parts that like, you know, it's obviously a movie that's designed to be provocative, but the parts that aren't as provocative by modern standards, you're just sitting there like, reveling in how shitty it's made instead yeah yeah that was kind of my big discovery but like parts of it where i'm like wow this i think this was shocking like in a in a pre-south park world you know what i mean (laughs) but like i'm sitting here watching it now i'm just like man this man i really wish you'd fucking clean that lens before you (laughs) shot this scene you know (laughs) yeah yeah because you you kind of like um, the quality is an experience. Yeah, it's like a year, but it's also like the trash that we grew up with, and like we're kids from the '90s. You know what I mean? Like we grew up during the Attitude Era, so like this kind of trashy horse shit, like that's what we were given to on cable TV every day. Yeah. you know what I mean. So yeah. like when you go back and watch this stuff, you're like, "Wow, this was shocking." 
I mean, I guess if you like have to put yourself in the context of 1972, it's shocking. Yeah. But when you put yourself in the context of somebody who like was raised on Stone Cold Steve Austin and all this other bullshit, it's like, yeah, it's not as crazy as it yeah. used to be. Or like Nine Inch Nails or like Marilyn Manson videos and all that kind of stuff yeah. that we got back then. Yeah. Right? And I would argue that Vince McMahon and John Waters probably have a lot more in common than you'd expect because they are party you know, as fuck. They're then, trash workers. A lot more than Vince McMahon would probably want to admit. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, though, after this week, he can't really like he's killing his own fucking staff and shit. So right. whatever. Well, the thing is, like, when I was watching the trailer, I don't think I'd ever seen the trailer for the movie before, but the fact that it's just audience reaction is exactly what a sideshow does, right? Like, see behind yeah. the curtain, but it's all like yeah. Everybody's shocked and appalled, and yeah. yeah. And Roger, e- I don't know if you guys read Roger Ebert's review yes, where he refused to give it a star rating because, like, yeah. you have to think of Pink Flamingos as a fact rather than as a film. Um, it is just something that like an object, exists. like it is, yeah, it's an object, object doll <laughs> yeah. kind of thing, yeah. right? And uh, he says something about how, like, watching this is like you have extra money in your pocket and you want to brag to your friends that you've seen the circus sideshow, which. <laughs> is fair accurate but i think that there's more merit to it than that overall oh yeah and so that being said we it has come to the time where when we do a review i have one of you guys tell me what the plot of this movie is and i've been looking forward to this all week you know what the worst part is this is my own creation i did this to myself to make you guys have to explain these Batman movies to me, and now it's been turned around on me. <laughs> Revenge, vengeance, all those things. So, uh, does anyone who 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 wants to volunteer on this? I think Mark should because this is his like. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I'm happy to do it, but Mark seems like he's dreading it, so he should do it. Yeah, I'm not at all. Actually, I just want you to know I'm going to revel in this because it's disgusting <laughs> and it makes me laugh my ass off. This whole movie is so fucking ridiculous at this point. It's basically a cart. It's like a mad cart cartoon almost to oh, me you know what i mean scale yeah but yeah like, right all, the, all these human cartoon characters in this movie we'll talk about it i'm excited yeah, yeah. so like so this i'm assuming it's what she's supposed to be a woman right like i don't know how this the divine character really works and yes. there's a right? weird thing about the meta textualness of this movie but we'll get into it yeah, it's yeah. Like, pr- presumably divine is a woman is a woman in this, this world movie. right yeah yes yeah. okay so divine who is this apparently the worst person alive like the filthiest human ever or whatever what's the title she wants the filthiest, filthiest person, alive. person alive yeah yes who lives in a trailer park with her weirdly mentally deficient mother who is obsessed with eggs and her <laughs> son i think it's her son yeah. who yeah. fucks chickens and her partner in crime slash lesbian lover or something i don't yeah. know exactly what the other character is it's cookie right is the character that's name? hot no that's cotton Cotton. Cotton. Yeah, Sorry, yeah, cotton, right? Yeah. Cookie's cracker's girlfriend. Yes. Okay, right. So either way, she lives in, in this place and she is the self-proclaimed filthiest person alive. And this other couple who holy shit, and like their crime ring. And what is it's the co- <laughs> The Marbles. The Marbles, that's it. Sorry, thank you. The names are escaping me, but the Marbles, who are just degenerate scumbags who Oh my god, I love it. Like, it's so fucking convoluted. They kidnap women off the streets, rape them into pregnancy so they can give the babies away to lesbian couples. Not, which I think they sell them. 
Sell yeah, them. Sell them. Sell them. And I think that's the least controversial part of that sentence also at this point. You know what I mean? <laughs> not even not even rape them, but the jerk off into their hands yeah. and then use use a syringe to inject well, the semen. To be fair, which is still yeah. He had just invented that during that scene. So like the implication <laughs> is that he had been raping them up until that point. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah. Either way, would you not argue that's also a form of rape one way or the oh, other? Oh, yes, absolutely. So, either way, not pleasant. But yeah, <laughs> these people have decided that they don't like. Oh, the whole point of this ring is also to fund their heroin dealing. That I think that, that I wrote down because I was like, the plot of these people, and I know Paul's going to make me do the plot, so I'm going to write this down, is insane. Because yeah. it's like they are using that money from the lesbian baby sales to fund inner city heroin dealing. at elementary schools. Yeah. At elementary schools, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, which ultimately all seems to be like just a reason for them to have a better bid for being the filthiest people alive. Which is yeah, and then, like arguably they have that. Holy shit! So at this point, the the couple, the marbles, decide that they need to attack Divine and become officially the filthiest people alive. Although why this title means anything to anybody is okay because John cool. Waters. Yeah, because it's a John Waters movie, right? So, like, all kinds of wacky shit happens. They send a woman. <laughs> Wacky's one way of putting it. <laughs> I don't know how else. That is, like, the most generous description of this movie I've ever heard. It's kind of wacky. There's some, like, hijinks that happens, right? Yeah. So, like, <laughs> some light you said, said, Is this a fucking Batman 66 episode <laughs> now? Honestly, like, fucking Benny Hill. Does John Waters not look like the, like, Vincent Price's gay brother? Is that not kind of what oh, his that, aesthetic is? I think is? that's his aesthetic, full on. Yeah, yeah okay. So he could play Eggman or Eggman's gay brother, I guess, in a 66 Batman. And actually, I would arguably pay to see that at this point. <laughs> like, So there you go. Yeah, so they've got this plan to ruin Divine's reputation as the filthy... It never makes any sense, because how do you ruin somebody who's the filthiest person alive's reputation? You can't, because they're already... <laughs> Either way... So they go out of their way. They burn her fucking house down. They send a woman over to seduce her son, who then kills a chicken while having sex with her in the most disturbing scene in the movie. That was yeah. off-putting. Yeah, that was a. That's long too. That's that's an uncut weird. They dwell sex. on that shit. Yeah, it really sits there for a while. What else happens? They yeah, they burn the place down. The mother gets. They have an egg delivery guy that she gets married to. <laughs> yep. That was really fucking weird. You it, talk at about the culmination it. of the party and uh oh god the, yeah, par- the party with the the anal gaping performer and yes oh i forgot about the anal gaping performer that's right why are we talking about this movie this is worse than episode <laughs> 150 where we did the fucking <laughs> oh i don't know about that and we let alicia read that thing <laughs> the yeah <laughs> either way so loki, loki is a gay unicorn <laughs> So somehow, and I don't remember exactly how this happens because I was baked as fuck and this movie makes no goddamn sense either way. Divine finds out about the Marbles' plans and she decides she needs to kill them. So she goes to their house, frees their sex-like slave women in the basement, kills and emasculates the dude that has been they've been using as their stud. Physically emasculates, like castrates. Yeah, like, well, no, like, no, no, because if you, yeah. Castration is just testes. Emasculation is all fucking all the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So emasculates him is the technical term for that. I use the word right, motherfucker. (laughs) I don't know. So at that point, and then they kill them. They they decide they call the fucking press in, have a mock trial, then they actually call it a kangaroo court, and they execute them on camera and move to 
some shithole in Ohio or something like that. Boise. Boise, Idaho. Boise, Boise Idaho. There it is. Mm-hmm. So Where Divine eats some dog shit. Yes, and then, yes. And the last thing in the movie is Divine eats dog shit to prove that she's the filthiest human alive. So I guess, mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, that's, um, that's most basically, you, yeah. Those you are skip the, most the part where they, where they ate a police officer. Or eight multiple oh, officers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that part. Like I said, really baked. And also this movie's fucking insane. So like <laughs> you also forgot about uh Raymond Marble's other form of getting money, which is flashing women in the park with a sausage tied to his penis and or then scaring neck. them away. Or or a turkey neck and scaring <laughs> them away from their purses so he can snatch their purses while making his wife wait in the car which is the worst part of the whole thing which was my favorite favorite line of the whole movie yeah which doesn't work on the uh transgendered park patron that then turns the tables on mr marbles later in the movie and we'll yeah oh boy there's a there's a lot to unpack here but um (laughs) yeah pretty much that that's uh, that's pink flamingos there's a lot going on in this movie yeah so we also forgot the whole whole part about uh how divine well we forgot about divine sucking her son's penis in the marble's house and desecrating the marble's house to the point where their furniture will no longer let them sit on it yeah yeah because yeah. yeah. their saliva somehow forces like repels the marbles right off the furniture somehow yeah. which is just well, like, i think the furniture becomes possessed or something I, like that it's like I'm just some weird horror thing I think this is the last episode of the podcast. <laughs> I think we broke Mark's brain. I don't think there's anything left we could do <laughs> after this. <laughs> so can I ask you a question? Sure. Why did you pick this one to make us watch? <laughs> because it was this or a musical? Well, I was thinking about a lot of different queer films that we could have picked. But in the spirit of subversiveness and politics and all that stuff going on. I wanted to look at John Waters because he is kind of a progenitor of it all. Mm. Like, I didn't want gay cinema in recent years, South Park joke, gay cowboys eating pudding, you know, like, or whatever. (laughs) Like, there's just, it's really dramatic and sad all the time. And I didn't want to go down that road. Like, I could have done, like, an, a, maybe a lighter comedy, but I wanted to go, like, as far as queer. You didn't want to do Rent or something? <sighs> the Everybody's thing. got AIDS, 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 AIDS. Yeah, like, there, there were other movies that I was thinking of, but this one has, like, a subversive quality to it that I really wanted to just, like, bask in for this week i guess because it's such a this, a lot of movies in the 90s 90s to 2000s to the 2010s was trying like they were really trying to humanize uh gay people in a way that was like very true to life very dramatic like we think broke back mountain like when you guys think of queer cinema like what movies do you guys think of the uh, broke back mountain's pretty high up there philadelphia like early on i guess yeah. probably like stuff like that yeah. um yeah and rent. what happens? Rent and what happens to all the gay people in those movies? They die. They yeah, die. They die. I was going to say Dallas Buyers Club too. Yeah, they yeah. die. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's I wanted to avoid that stuff because, like, the cinema of like the new queer cinema, like the Gus Van Sant 
and on 90s queer cinema is so steeped in tragedy that it's painful to watch. And I didn't want to go there, especially when I was in quarantine, because it's like, no, no. (laughs) But all of the queer comedy that I was looking at that we could have watched all came basically from John Waters. Like gay comedy stuff is all super low budget badly written dialogue really bad performances especially when they're getting like the fucking like hot guy from their gym to play the hot guy in the movie (laughs) because they live all live in west hollywood and are filming on a budget or whatever and it's like i've been trying to break into the industry so i need a, a role and you're in this gay comedy they still take a lot of that kind of awkward camp aesthetic from john waters like that's why i picked pink flamingos because it is the while he has done other films subsequently this is like his essence overall like everything okay, else. yeah yeah that's what I, why i would say so like did you guys like it did you guys enjoy the process <laughs> of watching this movie like i'm just curious as like two straight guys like how yeah. what were your feelings while you were watching this movie i still enjoy this movie because like I took different things away from this movie this time than I'm pretty sure I did the first time that I watched it like 15 plus years ago when I was still naive and probably still probably somewhat homophobic at that time, honestly. But for me, this is a morality play as I see it this in these days. And I've got a whole fucking rant that I can lay down in terms of like how this is like shows two different versions of morality and analogy with gay culture and stuff like that. I don't know. You want to hear my rant? Yeah, rant on. All right. So, I mean, to say that Pink Flamingos is deliberately provocative is an understatement, to say the fucking least. Uh, Like, obviously, it fucks with, like, conceptions of, like, beauty and, and propriety and normalcy. But if you look at, like, the two you know, groups like the antagonist and protagonist, the protagonist divine and her family might be living lives that seem odd or unusual to most people, especially in the seventies, even to most people today, but they're all happy in their self expressions. And it's all almost entirely consensual. You know, they're all, they're all living ways that, that are, they're comfortable with and that the people around with them are comfortable with They're the way that they live their lives, even though they might be weird or fucked up by whatever vision of normalcy you want to view it through the way that they live their lives doesn't negatively impact anybody around them. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just living their lives. They're doing their shit. Like they're sure. Some of it might be considered like depraved or whatever, but it said it's consensual with, the possible except well the definite exception of cookie and cracker and those poor fucking chickens yes but like aside from that there's nothing in here that i would see a reason to pass judgment on yeah like divine's main crime here seems to be like being the filthiest person alive and that is you know and it's that i view as analogous to demonization of gay people right yeah absolutely Gay people that are doing nothing but living their lives the way that they feel they can most naturally do so that ultimately doesn't impact anybody besides, you know, the people that they choose to have relationships and have sexual relations with. Yeah. 
So on the flip side, you look at the marbles by comparison, they are, you know, also obsessed with being the filthiest people alive, but they're doing truly fucking awful things without the consent of the other participants. You know, they're, as Mark fucking said, they're like kidnapping girls and raping them and breeding them and dealing drugs in inner city elementary schools. Like it's obvious, it's, it's, they're. Like Waters is, you know, playing a fucking extreme there, being like, these people are fucking hot garbage on a platter, and so are these people, but at least these people are happy and keep to themselves. Yeah. So, I mean, ultimately, you're supposed to be shocked by Divine and her family, but then think about why you're having that reaction and think about if that reaction is really justified. You right. Know? Because, like, the mundane evils of. I guess they're like the pregnancy ring is not particularly mundane, but the marbles are like cartoon villains and we're almost more society is more, almost more ready to accept that kind of evil in the world. Whereas like the incest and weird shit that goes on in divine's household is so taboo that they could be perceived as more villainous. But when it comes down to it, yeah, you're right. The marbles are easily, easily the more evil of pair of the two. Whether or not they are the filthiest, I mean, that <laughs> depends on your concept of filth. And filth is like a moving target in this movie in a lot of ways, because like, what what are we considering filth in this context? But like, but that's so much of Waters' over overall, right? Is like, here are these people that are being chastised for being themselves when being themselves isn't really hurting anybody. Yeah. So why bother? And this is like that whole fucking dichotomy in a nutshell. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah. So Mark, what did you, what's your take? Do I have, do I need to have a take? I don't know. <laughs> what, 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 how, what was your experience watching this? Movie? My experience watching it was, um, it was kind of like, it was, it, Hmm. You know when like somebody puts you in front of a bad movie intentionally and you know, they're putting you in front of a bad movie intentionally <laughs> and you yeah. just kind of go for the ride. That was my experience with this movie. Because like I knew what I was getting into. I'm aware of John Waters' proclivities, I guess, especially in his early stuff. Like I would, you know, I've read the books and all that kind of stuff. So like I know what he does. I had fun watching it though, because I like pushing these buttons on people. I like I like we were talking about, or I was talking about growing up in the 90s. Like I listened to Stern. I was one of those guys. Like I like poking at shit like this. So like questioning whatever morality about this sh- like this movie and stuff i'm like okay we can totally do that but it's also just like kind of a schlocky fun sit with a bunch of weird people doing weird shit and somebody filming it because it's like jackass 30 years before jackass happened and it's <laughs> scripted you know what i mean you know what it reminded me of more than anything else while i was watching it was clerks yeah, actually, I I had Clerks vibes constantly while I was watching it, and I could I I mean I'm sure Kevin Smith is probably pretty influenced by John Waters too. Oh yeah, so. yeah, because yeah. there was like there were vignettes in here that seemed like kind of disconnected and were only there to like yeah, like when Divine goes shopping or whatever, and like she steals the meat and stuffs it between her legs and this that and the other thing, and then makes a joke <laughs> about cooking it in her own oven, which was just that was a lot, but like cool, you know. That whole bit was kind of like watching like Randall and the cat interact in Clerks. You know what I mean? Because like it's basically shot with no audio. Like you, there is audio and stuff well, for the ton- most part. You're, yeah. but like you're at a distance from like what's actually happening. You're not necessarily hearing dialogue. There's no whatever. It's just like a sequence of silent stuff happening with sounds happening like around it. But like 
yeah, it has certain vibes that are the same. I, I completely agree that like there's some yeah. clerks or there's yeah, there's probably some John Waters and clerks or yeah. in Kevin Smith stuff. And the thing is, too, like those are choices that were probably in both cases, I would say almost undoubtedly made for budgetary reasons. But looking back on them, like those are things that people point to those movies as hallmarks. Yeah. 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 You know, there, there's any number of ways that you could go about like, shit, I can't fucking afford to film audio for like a third of this movie. What do I do with it? And Waters chooses like, I'm going to shoot it on fucking shitty film grain and I'm going to not even try to dub over it or anything. I'm just going to fucking make it basically silent movies with fifties doo-wop songs over it. And then, and then that, because that fucking like leans right into the aesthetic. Yeah. And where the limitation itself becomes its own aesthetic and its own film language, almost like when you have that, kind of silent vignette with the music playing over it which happens in clerks a couple times but i'm trying to think of like usually with jane silent bob moments i think overall yeah some of some of them are also where they're trying to do like some quick exposition like like dante's or no like randall selling the cigarettes to the kid and shit like that right or when they are running out of the funeral home yeah yeah yeah. yeah. So they have those moments and like it you know that this is a time for like wacky hijinks. Like it when it f- switches to that like going back to clerks or like coming back to this movie I'm like, "Oh, I know what this is because of what John Waters is telling me through the film language." And I was like, yeah. "Oh, it's like he and he kind of built this language through the limitations that he had, which I thought I think is really cool and his weird proclivity to zoom in on whoever is talking at the moment which to me now reads as like oh this is like a comedy thing that people use a lot like this is when you see like like mockumentaries and they're like trying to get people's reactions like the office uses it all the time for like gym face Mm -hmm. or whatever and you're like oh when someone gets zoomed in on like that it was for budgetary reasons because you couldn't like have multiple cuts and takes it was well just... he was shooting all of this stuff on one camera basically like in one go and then yeah. doing different like pans and stuff and cutting to different people during different run throughs so that he could do coverage and stuff like listening to him talk about the making of this movie is pretty fantastic in like that regard yeah because he was doing it in such a kind of like the lowest budget possible way right this movie was made for ten thousand dollars so like yeah. yeah they had one camera to do all that stuff with so they thought like they weren't doing coverage it was just run through the scene with the camera around and i'm sure that like that became part of the language of like mockumentary or like documentary right so yeah and given that it is like super budget and single camera and all that stuff it does it is like weirdly properly coherent for a movie like when i first watched this movie i expected this to be like a total mess and make absolutely zero sense but like there is a coherent kind of story and progression through it well like he does like he sticks to his script oddly enough you know what i mean for whatever reason like but it helps at least keep the movie like you know what's going on in the movie even if it's all like insane and disgusting you you're always aware of what's going on you know what i mean there's a lot of what and why while you're watching it (laughs) yeah like it's not like i don't know what's going on yeah, like I know who the characters are. I know like why they're doing this, and it's like it's some of the the like the why they're doing that at that particular moment's more. Okay, John Waters is trying to shock me, but like 
overall like the characters don't you know they, they're all consistent throughout the piece and all that kind of stuff so like yeah i don't know it's weird because it does feel yeah, like Ma- mama just, just keeps apart. loving her eggs like <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh man that was that's a lot there's a, there's, everything is a lot in this movie like every single character is just yeah so much <laughs> that being said who was your favorite character in the movie i'm curious i was a fan of the is it oh man cotton yeah cotton the lesbian lover yes because she's so dry and like just weird you know i just like the way she kind of like she's always encouraging everybody to do disgusting things never really does them herself but she really gets into it you know what i mean like she really enjoys yeah she's the the wire she's she's yeah she's us almost yeah well i guess that maybe that's it maybe she's kind of like the audience insert kind of thing but like i don't know her her reactions to stuff were like because you would think she'd be the one in the room traditionally in comedy at least like she'd be the one in the room being like uh that's really weird whereas in this movie she's like no you need to make it worse you know what i mean like make it really disgusting for <laughs> slow me it down. yeah exactly yeah G- give me the the slow kill the chickens more slowly yeah, yeah exactly like, yeah <laughs> yeah more, more blood, blood. <laughs> yeah and that is very much like our like when you go see a spectacle like this like there will be blood and we 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 all demand more blood like that's why we're watching this stuff like we know we don't want to see this filth but we paid the price of admission to see filth right and yeah, so yeah basically I, yeah how about you tim who are who are you rooting for in this movie <laughs> i mean i i i can watch divine all fucking day and night yeah. like she's so captivating um but the other one for me that really does it is mink stole who played connie marble Oh yeah, she's just fucking like chews up the screen every time she's on. Her performance yeah. is her, both of those performances. Her and Divine are captivating to me. I, I, you know, I'm always engaged when when either of them are on screen. Yeah, I I had an extra special love for Ming Stoll near the beginning of the movie when she's saying like you're just kind of a dullard and like yeah. I know it's yeah. yeah, the interview introduction like the interview process introduction is like those like the it was so funny i don't know yeah i didn't realize it was going to be that funny when i was sitting down to watch it. i was like oh this is going to go on for a while and then i was sitting there like oh wait this is hilarious because she is <laughs> such a bitch like <laughs> such a bitch and then they start yelling at each other and shit i was like this is fucking gold i'm laughing my ass off at yeah. this like it's so good oh yeah that act like that actress is fucking hysterical like she just owned the whole bit yeah, she just fucking gives her the whole time like when her, yeah. and, her and her what husband or whatever Raymond? are like just Raymond yeah her, her and raymond are just fucking going off on each other's toes i'm just yeah. sitting there like holy shit this is amazing yeah like, <laughs> I, you can't even say that they're everyone's at 100 everyone is like at 150 percent through this whole movie everyone's delivering their lines like their fucking lives depend on it and mm. it's so, so maybe not mama <laughs> well mama Edie herself like there have been documentaries on this woman and like i highly recommend there's one that john waters actually speaks on love letter to Edie. go watch that okay yeah um but like she is exactly what she needs to be like she's she sounds confused like she doesn't know what's going on and she's very singularly focused on her eggs and (laughs) and on the egg man and on the egg man (laughs) cuckoo kajoo yeah so with that let's uh let's give our final thoughts because we're starting to get it into is there anything else you guys want to bring up about this movie before we move on to final thoughts because we're getting into the just, 90 minute mark yeah just like the things that still like really toe the line for me today are 
I mean, yes, oh, yeah, we, we talked about, about like the chicken because those ki- chickens fucking died on camera. Let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. Like, and that is, it's unnecessary. And John Waters makes the argument that like, I bought them from a slaughterhouse. They were going to die anyways, but like, yeah, they were going to die, but they were going to have a much more humane death than getting crushed between two, basically in a rape. Yeah. Yeah. In an on-screen rape. Yeah. The, so, uh, the, the spectacle of the violence was the point, And like, that is a very kind of passe notion now, I guess. Like people still. Which again, it's fine that. if the parties are consenting to it. Yeah, and in right. that case, obviously those animals were not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's one thing about, like, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar saying that she loves being dying in movies. Like, it's something that she actually enjoys doing. I remember from, like, was it I Know What You Did Last Summer? It was, yeah. No, uh, she was in Scream 2. It was Scream 2. Actually, no, she wasn't. She's in both of those movies, actually, yeah. 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 And that is something I can get behind. But yes, The Murder of the Chickens, yeah, that's a lot. Also, like, just the transgendered woman in the park who is just inherently shocking to Mr. Marbles. Even though, yeah. yeah. Even though like they do some such next level shit that being trans seems like almost like whatever. And I guess maybe this is a t- very 2020 perspective because it's just kind of like, whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. Just, yeah. Like he's supposed you know. to be just a one. Well, and maybe that's again, like a commentary. I don't know. You could, I don't know if Waters intended it this way, but you could view that as a commentary on the marbles where like they're trying to be these fucking filthy people, but they still can't accept something, you know, that is what would be something, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they, yeah, they can't accept. Yeah. The, the, the transsexual person just fucking disgusts him outright and he runs away. So, you know, even though, even though he's trying to be the filthiest person in the world, he, you know, Divine and his family would have accepted that person hands down and been like, yeah, this is great. Come to our party. We've got this guy that's singing with his asshole. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. I so, mean, yeah. When we'll fucking we'll kill and eat some cops because they came and tried to fuck with our party. Yeah. I think John Waters, <laughs> even though he kind of comes at it from a more privileged angle, obviously, because he is the the ringmaster, the freak show, like, oh, come on down and see the freaks. He has a very like strong affinity for people who are on the margins and he really wants to showcase their talent and all their uniqueness. Yeah. And I think that like, it doesn't necessarily come from a bad place, but it does come from an exploitative place. And so that is in and of itself problematic. Like we know that this is like, you're, if you are portraying this as a sideshow spectacle, then you are othering these people by default. Right. But like at the same time, these people would never be on camera seen to like and have this kind of exposure and access so while i don't condone it now this was definitely a step is it a step that we maybe needed could have done in a different way maybe but that was not what john waters did and so this is what we have kind of thing so yeah yeah, yeah. there's there's still there's a lot there's a lot of well, yeah. And then the other, I mean, I still to this day find Divine eating fresh dog shit that you watch come out of the dog's ass hard to watch. Yeah. And it, yeah. it still makes me fucking gag to this day. But, 
you know, it doesn't hurt the dog. It doesn't hurt any. I mean, except arguably divine, but she was yeah. getting paid. She, to, you know, she, she, she willing, she, she could have told John Waters, fuck no, I'm not doing this, but she went along with it and said, you know, I think, I think she is on record, you know, he, because he's not actually a woman. He just dresses in drag just said like it's not something i do regularly but <laughs> it was you know i had to do it for the role so yeah i mean yeah it's i made sure i sat down and forced myself to watch that part instead of turning away there is a an event a at midnight screenings where people are forced to watch the movie while they're eating a chocolate dessert and people film their reactions <laughs> while, they're, while they're eating it, which I think is great. I just love that idea so much. But, but yeah, chocolate it, pudding or something. Yeah, it's, it is still really fucking hard to watch. Like I, I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's a lot. It's so much. This movie is too much. It's way but again, much. like, and almost for something like that, you know, there's so much of this that we don't find shocking now, but 50, almost 50 years later, that still fucking gets me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and one of the things is that, like, given we're this is going to be weird, but, like, the women who are trapped in the basement, that one in particular, is it Linda? I think maybe her name is. I can't remember what her the name one is. That's streaming at, at the one that's constantly streaming. And yes, yes, yeah. she is shrill and probably, but deservedly so because she's been. Yeah. Um, she's kidnapped in a. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would be. I'd be fucking screaming too. So. <laughs> right. But in the movies in the 70s, particularly, there's lots of like gritty crime dramas where women get raped and murdered. And that was a big thing in the seventies. So the fact that these women got as many speaking lines as they did and got to have their own revenge on their aggressor, instead of it being like the gritty cop character played by Clint Eastwood or Donald Sutherland or whoever was pretty, is still pretty like progressive weirdly enough. Yeah. Yes. The violence against the women period is kind of weird and bad, obviously, but like, they have way more agency than a lot of those like really beautifully filmed victims of the 1970s that were really prominent in that film era, which is kind of weird. But then like waters kind of undermines his point again there because like he, like, uh, th- that woman who's I can't remember her name either. I th- yeah, I think it is Linda. Is like a junkie, basically, right? Like she's down. So so it frames. You know, you, she's morally ambiguous at that point because yeah, she's gotten kidnapped or whatever, but she's a junkie. So are we really supposed to care about her? You know. So yeah, there's some there's some know. weirdness there, definitely. Because there's kind of like, are we even supposed to sympathize with her? Because like she's screaming constantly for like a good five minutes straight. And it's just kind of like watching her on camera, like you, of course, sympathize with the situation, but it's just like, it just keeps going on. And as like a film scene, it's weird, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You can arguably say that about every scene in this movie. Yeah, (laughs) You know, and like, that's kind of, I mean, if we're going to, we're doing final thoughts, like this, it's, I mean, in a way I kind of agree with the Roger Ebert review where it's not really a movie. It's just like a yeah. series of disgusting it's, things that happen on camera that are loosely tied together. But yeah. <laughs> and it, but like, is it watchable? Absolutely. Would I recommend it to people? That very much depends on <laughs> the who's <person>. yeah, <laughs> asking me for the recommendation. <laughs> yeah. Do I think our regular listeners, I mean, that aren't our parents, I guess, would probably enjoy this? Probably because they're sick fucks like we are. <laughs> but like, again, would our parents enjoy this? 
They probably, well, maybe they've seen it. I don't know. Our parents are fucking weird. Who knows? Yeah, My yeah, mother has definitely not seen Pink Well, <laughs> I feel safe in that. In that, in that See, statement. I don't, and I don't, because our parents watch fucking everything, so who knows? But yeah, like, would I, would I recommend this to my grandparents? Like, no, not at all. <laughs> would I watch it again? Yes, I absolutely would get very high and watch this again, because it's entertaining in its own way. And I like the way John Waters frames stuff a lot of the time. Not in the not physically, not in terms of like how he actually shoots it, because like he doesn't give a shit about that at all, and he never did throughout his entire career. I don't think he got better with it. He got like, no, but he actually because he actually like had people baby. like yeah, yeah because he had exactly. a staff. He paid people to do it for him. Yeah, like you hire a DP to do shit like that. You know what I mean? Like some people care about that kind of stuff. Like your Chris Nolans, your Hitchcocks, they care about shit like that. Your Kevin Smiths and John Waters, not super worried about like yeah. their you know framing and stuff but like the way he f- just frames like the world or like the f- the lens that he views the world through is fascinating to me because it's like i don't even know how to describe it it's like 50s camp kitsch but like i don't know it's almost i don't know how to describe it it's like watching the 66 batman on acid with like an r rating or something like that it's just insane <laughs> all the time like just acid tinged insanity throughout mm-hmm. the whole thing and i you know whatever maybe it's child of the 90s shit i just like fucking shocking people with weird nonsense but like this is up my alley because of that you know what i mean so if that's up your alley too like if you grew up watching beavis and butthead or what other weird shit like snl and all the other weird crap that we watched in the i guess it's not as subversive as i'm making it out to be what am i thinking of something weird a, a sketch hmm. show that like yeah like like mr show you know what i mean like if you watch the like weird human shit, centipede or some shit oh you know that's a little outside that, that <laughs> that's just gross you know what i mean but like if you were like a mr show fan like wicked scepter and all that kind of shit yeah. john water's probably up your alley like that kind of humor so go for it i don't know i don't know i liked it but like i don't know if like i liked it as a movie i just kind of like it as like a conversation piece more than anything else you know what i mean it's almost like this is a youtube video you gotta watch and then we're gonna do 20 minutes about it, i guess like that kind of thing so yeah yeah so what would you would you give it a number rating would you go the roger ebert route and <laughs> decline i don't i i'm i'm kind of on board with the not even bothering giving it a number rating because like if you give it a nine like that's insanity but like i don't want to give it a, like a shitty rating because like i did enjoy it so like no, I'm I'm on board. I'm on board the Roger Ebert route, but from the opposite ways. Like it's undefinably good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Go okay. experience it. Yeah. Because okay. I can't criticize it in terms of like how I would criticize like a Batman movie or something like that. You know what I mean? Like it just it's not that kind of thing. I don't think. I don't yeah. think. Yeah. It was it was doing something else. Yeah. 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 It's almost more like like what did you? It's more like asking like how do you review a concert? You know what I mean? Like it's kind of like that. It's almost like a performance piece more than it is like an actual like story and shit. I guess. Yeah. So sure. Yeah. All right. How about you, Tim? What are your final thoughts? So I mean, this is a movie that I again haven't watched in a very long time, and I probably don't feel a need to watch again for a very long time. Because yeah, I mean, it is what it is. It's the very nature of provocative media means that it usually ends up being much less provocative with age and that's what's gradually happening to to pink flamingo so it's definitely something if you've never seen it that and you consider yourself sort of a film nerd in any way shape or form yeah oh yeah if you're one of those guys you absolutely should have seen it by now so yeah 
but it's it's something that you should try and watch and understand it in the context of when it was made if you can sort of put yourself into that mind frame yeah. so but you know going by this watch and the you know my current mindset i would probably give it like a seven out of ten because there's definitely some edges you know some some parts of it that don't work for me anymore there's yeah and stuff like that there's some shit that is really hard to watch and i think will always be hard to watch and didn't need to be there necessarily so yeah it's something that you should definitely see if you you know think if you're a fan of you know shock film yeah yeah. So did I just guarantee that Tim's going to make us watch Human Centipede for Halloween this year? Right? <laughs> I'm going bl- to like, blackball that one. I'm not because I'll you know I might veto that. Yeah, because I'm not watching that again. There's no fucking way I'm sitting through. <laughs> just let Tim go on the mic for like 90 minutes just talking about Human Centipede. <laughs> Tim, here you have you have a, you have an episode to yourself. I will skip an episode no. finally, and you can do an hour about Human Centipede. I'd make you. I'd make you guys like watch like good torture porn, like Saw or something like that. Before I made you watch Human Centipede, uh, I like that he uses the word Saw or like good. Good. <laughs> oh, gotta get that good torture porn, you know. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. That's exactly my point. Exactly yeah, my point. Hey, Tim. it's just as exploitative I've, as this in a different way. I don't know, man. I've seen porn with better fucking production values than those movies. Better scripts and acting too. So there you go. Well, yeah. I mean, and with this movie, my final thoughts are it needs to be watched if you are like interested in transgressive cinema, like cinema movies that were meant to shock and the movies that change things. Like if you're if you are a film historian or nerd type, you should watch this movie. I think it's important. And I think that especially since there's an entire like genre of queer cinema that is this movie is like responsible for that that's really important in and of itself now like again as mark said would i recommend this to grandma and grandpa like (laughs) 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 i'm curious to see what their faces would be once we got into it but like I'd be I, very curious to see how grandma reacts to this movie, honestly. Uh, yeah, like, I wouldn't do it. I would oh, never I know. do it. I would never. Like, would never. What we're Poor saying grandma. is, Christie's Nana should not watch this movie. Oh, no. For yes. sure. Definitely yes. not. <laughs> and I would, in terms of number rating, like, three wigs out of four turds. I don't know. Like, it doesn't, <laughs> again, it's just like, there's not, not a good way to, like, qualify this, but as a viewing experience, I would give it probably an 8.5. Because I think that there's a lot of, like, in the queer community, this movie is still quoted quite a bit, and it's still, like, pretty important. Like, Divine as the first, like, celebrity drag queen, or, like, one of the most important celebrity drag queens, and her legacy, if we're talking, we use, she uses female pronouns when she's in drag, so as Divine, yes, she. The subsequent John Waters movies, they all are super quotable. Like, if you guys have ever seen Serial Mom, Pussy Willows, Dottie, like, oh, Kathleen Turner's so good in that movie. <laughs> God damn. But yeah, I rec- I might recommend other John Waters movies as more watchable and like yeah. now like Hairspray or yeah, Serial Mom probably just because it's a weird thing and Kathleen Turner, I don't know if she knew what movie she was in and <laughs> I don't think she knew what planet she was on during that, oh, the no. making of that movie yeah. either. Yeah. So I think that might have been during the dark <laughs> times. So 
yeah. Same, same here. Like if I, if somebody asked me like, Hey, I heard about John Waters. I'd like to get into his movies. Like what would you recommend as an entry point? I would not fucking say pink flamingos. I no. would probably give them like hairspray or hairspray or Crybaby to, to sit down in front yeah. of first. I think it I, depends on like what I think those like. are gateways. <laughs> I wouldn't put me in front of hairspray necessarily, <laughs> but like I would, I Cecil be demented is a movie that I actually quite like. In terms oh yeah. Of, like, yeah, yeah. Really I like, mean. I like, I like it's, Cecil B. it's pretty good. And Pecker's actually not bad either. Yeah. Like these yeah. are what much later. Yeah. In his filmography, but they're both like, I mean, the, the rough edges are a little bit more smoothed off and stuff, but like his humor comes through still and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. So or just honestly, just go listen to him do interviews. <laughs> yeah. Cause he's, great. he's fucking awesome. Like, I was like, I went, I got worried for a second. And I'm like, wait, is he still alive? Because I went and looked it up. I'm like, oh, thank God, he's still alive. Yeah, he's still out there. Doesn't do as much these days, but no. But I mean, I'm fine. sure he's, I'm sure he's doing plenty. He just he's being depraved in the privacy of his own home well, and he's 74 and sec, and sex you know. dungeon. I assume. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely <laughs> that part. Yeah. But he's 74. He should be. He can. He can do that now. You know. Yeah. But when I say hairspray, I do not mean the 2007 movie musical no. version yeah, yeah, yeah. of it. This piece of shit. And I hate it. And I really, really don't like it. Even though Michelle Pfeiffer, of course, is incredible in it. And Christopher Walken is in it. <laughs> and John Travolta in this fucking most terrifying drag you will ever see in your whole life. Just fucking nightmare fuel shit. Oh, my God. But yeah, the 1988 John yeah. Waters directed, written, directed version Ricky of Lake. Hairspray. Ricky Lake starring. Yeah. Yes. Incredible. Oh, Although, that's right. Oh my yeah. god! See, I've, I've seen it once, but like I hadn't seen it in a long time. I forgot that she was yep. as Ricky Lake. Yeah, um, John Waters does make a very brief cameo in the 2007 Hairspray as a flasher, beginning of the movie. <laughs> um, of course, which, he does. Which yeah. is very John Waters, very on brand, very yeah. much. But uh, <laughs> I, it's it's just not it's not good. Watch the 1988 version, 100%. Yeah, yeah. So with that, let's move on to our final segment of the week, which is our geek cred, where we recommend something that we've been enjoying that's super geeky. So let's start with Tim. Tim, go. I'm going to keep it sort of in the 70s. So I'm going to recommend Dolomite is my name, which I know Mark already recommended ages ago when it first came out last year. But I finally got around to watching uh, this past weekend and uh, really fucking enjoyed it. Eddie Murphy is in rare fucking form in that movie. And it's, you know, keeps like said, it's part of the that like 70s counterculture movement, right? That's it's uh, Rudy Ray Moore was a main figure in exploitation films and it tells like a largely for you know people just think like shaft and stuff and that is kind of what people default to or like foxy brown or fuck what was her name oh why am i blanking guys help me out what pam greer are you talking about pam Pam, yeah pam greer yeah there we go yeah and but you know he's also a pretty central figure in that and yeah it was a great movie fucking amazing cast like keegan michael key and craig robinson tice burgess and chris rock and fucking snoop dogg and bob odenkirk or so yeah really good movie really funny but also tells a interesting part of film history yeah, there was a really funny tweet about Eddie Murphy recently that he ended up being the, like the uh, the kindly family man in the black community where Bill Cosby ended up being the creepy rapist and no, no one saw that coming. <laughs> yeah, if you watched their stand up, you would assume that would be flipped. Given yeah, like exactly, yeah. Geez, that's something to recommend. Go watch those old Eddie Murphy like stand ups and stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, fuck Seriously. yeah, watch Delirious, watch Raw, yeah, all fucking day long. 
there was uh, somebody posted, and I guess I could recommend this, but somebody posted um, after the Chappelle thing, uh, somebody posted Richard Pryor doing a bit mm-hmm. on like living in LA and stuff like that and like being a black man in LA. And I was like, I'm not supposed to be laughing at this shit, but like he's so fucking good at it. So <laughs> I mean, I guess I could recommend that because I have like honestly, all I'm doing is drawing at this point. Like I'm just trying to figure that shit out. So I don't really have anything to recommend because that's all I'm doing is working on my shit and listening to nerds on youtube talk about like show me hardware porn like here's the new video card doing fancy things and benchmarking and stuff (laughs) so i'm just like being a nerd but like isolating myself as a nerd so go create something i guess i don't know everybody's like asking me about podcasting since i've been home and like the easy answer is just go fucking do it because that's kind of how we did it and i don't know what else to tell people just go if you want to do it go fucking record something if you want to have an art account on instagram go draw and put your shit on instagram I don't know what else to fucking tell you. You just have to do this stuff. You can't just talk about it. Eventually, yeah. you got to sit down and do the drawing or do the editing or do the talking or whatever the fuck it is. So if that's what you're... I mean, everybody's got the time right now, right? Because, like, where the fuck are you going? Get your hair cut six times a day? Fuck off and die. No. <laughs> do something productive with your time. Stop watching YouTube videos. Yeah. Or, I mean, do that also, I guess. I don't know. Like, that's what I'm doing. I watch them in the background while I'm drawing. But, like, you know, yeah, do something do something yeah i uh, for my geek cred this week i'm gonna recommend an archive binge of are, have you either of you guys been on stereogum.com at all no okay a- yeah. oh, not a- ages ago not lately yeah, yeah. Uh, they've been doing a series for a long time called the number ones tom brahan i think he's the he runs the site or is one of the like upper editors like senior editors seen one of the senior editors he's been working there for ages but he's been doing the series where he does a huge deep dive on every single song that has been number one on the billboard charts like starting from the very beginning of the billboard charts and i've read pretty much every one of these so far we're at the latest one that was released was tony basil's mickey so they're already at the 80s so like it's been like every week there's been like it's just going at quite the clip at now and it's just amazing like it gives historical context it tells like what other songs it was up against it shows like significant uses of the song in pop culture it's just like a really cool kind of retrospective on all these songs that were like you've probably forgotten about because there was a lot of bad singer songwriter shit in the 1970s or some obvious number ones or some songs that you that never made it to number one that you're like what the fuck really that was never number one kind of thing so i recommend like go on stereogum.com and look for under the columns the number ones it is it's a fun read like all of them are fun reads but like if you want to like just look through and archive binge your favorite artists. I'm very interested to see where this is going to go once the 90s hit cuz like I don't really remember the early 90s in terms of chart success and they were like, interesting. So it's going to be it's going to be fun for you to watch, I think, cuz it was yeah. like and like remembering things like those video fight shows they used to do like combat they clip and stuff like that and it would be like CNC Music Factory versus like <laughs> Guns N' Roses, you know what so I mean? Weird. It was like or like uh CC Peniston or was that Finally, it happened. Yeah, to me. <laughs> would like would, would go up against like smells like Teen Spirit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just like the weirdest shit. So like uh, again, more counterculture, right? <laughs> yeah, ex- well, exactly, right? Like it, yeah. So there's all that stuff coming up at that point. But like I, fuck, now I've got all this reading to do. Thank you. This is exactly <laughs> the kind of shit that I'll just sit here and read for the next 
22 years because there's like 40 pages of it now oh yeah yeah they're, oh, like good. it started in the late 50s right so yeah. like enjoy oh, it's fun yeah well i guess i know my geek of the week next week is <laughs> telling you which ones you should read out of all of these i'm gonna read all 300 of them i know <laughs> yeah i'm like it, there's there's 20 per page and i'm at page 35 and i'm still not quite at the beginning i don't oh, 35 is the last page and there are at minimum 10 15 items per fucking page so <laughs> it's gonna be some reading let's Bye, get Mark. the fuck out of here bye <laughs> <laughs> all right so with that being done let's uh let's sign off here thanks for listening everybody listening to our our filth and depravity for the week if you haven't already please subscribe to our podcast which you can do uh via whichever podcasting app you prefer Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Give us a rating if you like our podcast. Give us five stars because we deserve it because we're great and you love us, right? That's why you're listening. (laughs) And that's why we're here to entertain. So we can entertain more people if more people can see our podcast and ratings do help with that. And we'd also love to hear from you on our Facebook page. If you have never seen Pink Flamingos, if you guys watch it for the first time on our recommendation and hate us forever, tell us about it on Facebook. We're sorry. Yeah, we apologize in advance, I guess. But also... Tell also not more. yeah you're welcome uh, so uh drop us a line on facebook.com slash dance robot dance podcast on twitter at drd underscore podcast or email us at dance robot dance podcast at gmail.com we will respond as much as we can so uh yeah send us a message and so with that let's sign off say good night mark uh paul's name this week was dr eggman because he's gross and uh <laughs> good night hey also a character in sonic the hedgehog dr robotnik's japanese name true true yeah. but it works on love given the context of this week yeah gross right <laughs> smh yeah and say good night tim good night folks and i've been paul and uh i'll catch you guys on the flip side always get consent before involving chickens in your sexual activities yeah ask the chickens get yeah get their chicken scratch <laughs> <laughs> all right we're fucking done here <laughs> we're fucking done here <laughs> <You're welcome. laughs>